you are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. Hi, I'm Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist and I've done research over 10 years and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found as well as all the information that's out there that that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. Hello, hypertension resistors. So today I want to share with you the latest information on ivermectin. So let's get to it. Now, keep in mind, this is not medical advice. This is for educational purposes only. So first, we'll hear from Dr. Tim. He'll remind us of what ivermectin is. So first, what is ivermectin? Uh, It's a drug often used mainly in animals actually to prevent parasites and worms and is referred to as a deworming agent. And it's also approved in certain countries for human use. And in the UK, it's mainly used for severe forms of scabies. So um, not something you often get or want to get. Okay, so now here is Dr. Tim. He'll tell us his recommendations about Ivermectin. Uh, test tube studies suggesting that uh, it might inhibit some of the transport proteins that the uh, virus hijacks in our bodies to get in, in into our respiratory tracts and multiply. So it might just have some general mechanism of stopping it getting in. Uh, it might stop it uh, docking uh, with the uh, spike protein. There's another thing, but these uh, test tube studies are often unreliable and uh, often difficult to replicate. But the proof is never in these theoretical studies, it's in the clinical trials. And I think what we've uh, seen is there is no good quality clinical trial that's shown a clear benefit for uh, either treatment or prevention. And uh, there have been some people who have been collecting all the studies, putting them together in what we call a meta-analysis. So you would see if there was a general trend in a direction uh, to get a result. And the conclusion was that most of the studies were were too small of poor quality to get a a clear result. Now, this doesn't rule out a small effect, and absolutely that is still possible. But uh, there's absolutely no evidence that it should be used for uh, the treatment or the prevention of COVID-19 at the moment based on data. Um, Now, to sum up, is it an alternative treatment or vaccine? The answer is no. Um, It really isn't. uh, It doesn't pass any of those standards. And I worry that particularly for prevention, uh, the idea that you can use this long term, months or years, 
to uh, have an effect against the virus is really, really risky because even if it did work, you might be causing yourself much more damage uh, to your body because it wasn't intended for uh, use for very long term uh, in humans. And there have been reports in the normal, uh, people using it for normal uh, parasitic problems of vomiting, diarrhea, seizures, delirium, and occasionally death. And of course, I worry about its effect on the uh, gut microbes. If it's if it's like a bit like Domestos, it sort of kills all microbes, then you are going to cause some collateral damage. And if you damage your gut microbes, uh, you will damage your immune system long term. Okay. So let's hear from Dr. John Farley. Uh- FDA has been conducting ongoing daily surveillance for the safety of drugs, including ivermectin, that are reportedly being used in an attempt to treat or prevent COVID-19. We've identified multiple concerning cases of patients who required medical treatment and were hospitalized after using ivermectin products to treat or prevent COVID. Some of these products were intended for animal or veterinary use, and others were products intended for human use. All right, let's hear what Adrian from Trial Site News has to say about the poison control data. Well, the data used for this analysis originates from the American Association of Poison Control Centers, or the AACPP, and the National Poison Data System, or the NPDS, bulletin. There were 1,143 ivermectin exposure cases reported from January through August of 2021. Now, this is an increase in cases compared to the year prior, or the baseline data, of 435 such cases. Now, given the dramatic increase in physician prescriptions of ivermectin, which is at 2,344% from the same time period last year, this number then should have been expected. But what about the CDC's claim of reports of severe illness? Does it hold up to the actual data? Well, the breakdown of the ivermectin poison control calls by category looks like this. Out of the 1,143 calls, there were zero deaths. 11 major effects, 91 moderate effects, and 148 minor effects. Now, based on a review of the data, only 22% of the total show any material effect whatsoever. The vast majority of the case calls, or 78%, fall under the category of no problem or an aggregate labeled as not sure, and thus required no follow-up. Now, clearly, in these latter cases, any real threat to consumer safety would have been flagged for follow-up. So, 754 out of the 1,143 cases were classified as no effect, non-toxic, or minimal. 137 of the calls were potentially toxic, but with no follow-up. This category indicates that there was nothing severe going on here. Calls deemed severe equaled 1%, or approximately 11 cases, and none of these were classified to the media as self-medication-based abuse of the veterinarian drug. And then, when you take this data and compare it to the magnitude of growth in the use of the product since the baseline, overall ivermectin prescriptions have soared. Prescriptions rose from 3,600 per week pre-pandemic 
to 88,000 per week ending August 13th of 2021, representing the 2,344% increase. A threefold increase in calls to poison centers due to abusive self-medication. Now, you know, this is not medical advice. This is for educational purposes only. Yeah, so, so one problem with humans taking drugs intended for animals is that those drug formulations often contain other ingredients. And those ingredients would be safe for a horse or a cow, but not for a human. And in the case of ivermectin, a number of the veterinary products contain much larger doses of ivermectin than is safe for humans because they're actually intended for large animals like horses and cows. Only your doctor can give you medical advice. That said, let's move on. Let's hear from Dr. Corey. He is one of the leaders at the Frontline COVID Alliance. My daughter got it, uh, and I got it a couple of days later. I was probably day seven from my last ivermectin dose. Um, but we have had a, a couple other breakthroughs. If you guys remember Dr. Boros from last week, he had, I think, one or two reports down in, uh, in Florida of some breakthroughs. He actually think you should do it twice a week now. Okay, so there are some breakthrough cases. So that clearly means that ivermectin does not work, right? What we need is a Cochrane review. You know, the gold standard in systematic reviews. The Cochrane Library is filled with clear evidence of the benefits of healthcare interventions. And we're in luck because there's one available. Here is Dr. Brad Stanfield. He'll tell us all about the Cochrane Review on ivermectin. There's a lot of different groups saying many different things about ivermectin. Cochrane is for anyone interested in using high-quality information to make health decisions, whether you're a clinician or a patient. Cochrane's members and supporters come from more than 220 countries worldwide. We are researchers, health professionals, patients, carers, and people passionate about improving health outcomes. So this isn't big pharma, this isn't governments or hospital organizations. This is an independent, international, not-for-profit network. And a Cochrane analysis, it holds weight because of the rigorous methodologies that they use to go through all of the data. So let's have a look and see what they said about ivermectin. So overall, ivermectin compared to placebo or usual care may make little or no difference to improving outpatient conditions 14 days after treatment. And on the point of potentially preventing COVID-19, we don't know whether ivermectin leads to more or fewer deaths compared to no drug. And it finishes by saying what are the limitations of this analysis. Our confidence in the evidence is very low because we could only include 14 studies with few participants and few events such as deaths or need for ventilation. Methods differed between studies and they did not report everything that we were interested in such as quality of life. And this evidence is up to date from the 26th of May this year 2021. And just to read this Cochrane Review's conclusions again, based on the current very low to low certainty evidence, we are uncertain about the efficacy and safety of ivermectin used to treat or prevent COVID-19. The completed studies are small and few are considered high quality. Several studies are underway that may produce clearer answers in review updates. Overall, the reliable evidence available does not support the use of ivermectin for treatment or prevention of COVID-19 outside of well-designed, 
randomized trials. But here we've got an organization that's not for profit, it's not influenced by government or Big Pharma. So this analysis suggests that as of right now, there's no evidence to suggest that we should be using ivermectin to all COVID-19 patients. Well, let's hear more from what Dr. John Fawley has to say. You know, physicians are trusted voices here. People trust their doctors. You know, why is it so important that physicians actively manage ivermectin use in patients? Well, I think, you know, ivermectin is approved by by the FDA to treat people uh, with certain conditions caused by parasitic worms. And it's a valuable drug, particularly in international settings. But it's important for physicians and, and everyone to understand that oral ivermectin or ivermectin by mouth, generally it's given as a single dose treatment which may in some cases be repeated at recommended intervals. We actually don't have data about the safety of taking ivermectin every day for a long period of time, as some folks are doing uh, to treat or prevent COVID. The uh, side effects. And so it's important for physicians uh, to think about those. There are side effects from the drug itself, and that could be worse uh, in some patients, it need to be monitored. These include stomach problems, skin rash and itching, and nervous system problems, including dizziness and tremors. And, and in fact, many of the, the listeners will know that last year, there's a report in New England Journal of a teenager who ended up in a coma after taking the recommended dose of ivermectin for scabies. And so we at the agency are working to determine if there's more cases like that. As physicians also know, with any drug, there are potential interactions with other drugs the patient might be taking. And there are some patients who require a special kind of risk-benefit consideration when considering ivermectin. For example, we have pretty limited information regarding the safety of ivermectin for women who may be pregnant or breastfeeding. Yeah, well, um, first, I think uh, if you get covid and are in a high-risk group, such as older age or obesity or a chronic medical condition, you should be treated with a monoclonal antibody to reduce your risk of needing to be admitted to the hospital. Now, there are publications of small clinical trials that report a benefit for ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19. And that's fueled in part the increase in the use of ivermectin But it's important for folks to know that there are also clinical trials which show no benefit for ivermectin at all. And it's also important for folks to know that many of the trials which report a benefit were conducted in other countries without any oversight by the FDA. So we actually have no way of confirming whether the results reported in those trials are real or not. Yeah, well, and, and that for me, particularly uh, when when ivermectin is being used uh, for prevention, is a real tragedy, uh, because there's not convincing data that ivermectin can prevent COVID, but we have safe and effective vaccines that can keep people out of the hospital and keep folks from dying. And for many people, making that choice to choose ivermectin over a vaccine can be a tragic choice that can lead to them getting very sick, needing to get admitted to the hospital, or even dying from COVID. You know, I know that people want a pill to treat COVID. We all do. And actually, clinical trials of a number of bimouth drugs to treat COVID are underway. And that's a very high priority for the government. We need to wait for the results of those trials to know if one of those treatments shows benefit. 
And if we do have convincing clinical trial data, we at FDA and the U.S. government are going to work as hard as we can to make that treatment available and provide docs the information they need to use the treatment to maximize the benefit and minimize the risks. Yeah, so as, as I was thinking about this, I was reading the paper this morning, and there was a study just done in Maryland interviewing people who had not yet been vaccinated. And in this group, the person they trusted the most for information about COVID was their primary care physician. So know that if they're sitting in your exam room, even if they're pushing back and giving you a hard time, they trust your recommendations. So I would encourage them to get vaccinated for for prevention. If they're infected and qualify for monoclonal antibody, they should be treated. And if they're infected and at low risk for disease progression, insist on ivermectin. The best way for them to help everyone know if the drug helps at all is to join a clinical trial and get treated with a safe formulation of the drug at the right dose. And they can find clinical trials available with contact information at a website, clinicaltrials.gov, one word, clinicaltrials.gov. Okay, so there you have it. If you get sick, there are treatments that can occur, but make sure you have the right treatment. And right now, the FDA is recommending monoclonal antibodies. Now, keep in mind, if you've had a vaccine within 90 days of those antibodies, to my knowledge right now, um, you may not be eligible for monoclonal antibodies. So make sure you go ahead and get your vaccine as soon as possible if your doctor is recommending that for you. And generally, to be told, most people can take the vaccine. Now, this is not medical advice. This is for educational purposes only. And now here in the United States, there's a mandate for the vaccine, but It's important to get vaccinated because this thing is not going away no time soon. And matter of fact, experts say that we're headed towards the endemic. And that just means that it's going to be with us for a while. So in order to protect yourself and protect your family, I encourage you to consider getting vaccinated as soon as possible. And if you do have a case of COVID-19 or if you have a breakthrough case, ask your doctor if you can get the monoclonal antibodies. And if you're not eligible for the monoclonal antibodies, ask your doctor what else could you take. Get a prescription or any other medication that might be used. I don't know what that might be. But whatever it is, your doctor would know. Stay tuned to the Hypertension Resistance to Treatment, where I'll tell you more about what everybody ought to know about hypertension and trending health topics. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time.